So 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, and uh, we've been studying through this book of Corinthians. We, we kind of have titled this study, Living Christ-like in a Crooked Land. And we've been turning and trying to figure out how, how church is done today. What are some things that we should be doing? What are some things we shouldn't be doing? And the past couple weeks, uh, we've learned here in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 uh, that there's some things that should be done. There's some things that shouldn't be done. And we talked about how during that day, God gave them special abilities to be able to suddenly speak in an unknown tongue, to, uh, to be able to prophesy things that, uh, that have never been heard before because they didn't have the Word of God yet. And now that we have it and it's complete, we have God's Word right here in our hands tonight. So folks, tonight we're going to continue on here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to, I want to preface this message here before we actually read the Scripture. Here's something I think that, that you'll find. And, I, and the more I see Satan at work, and the more of the way I see this, the world twists, if you'll notice, it's almost like every little thing that God puts into place, if Satan can, he'll twist it. Uh, it's, it's even down to the little things. I mean, you, you look at um, what, what God said in the very beginning. You know, he says, don't eat of this tree. And then Satan showed up and said, yeah, but did God really say that? Well, yes, he did. He said that. And then it was down to the very simple thing. If you had Adam and Eve, they were married. God brought them together. And we believe that marriage is one man for one woman for life. That's, that was God's model. And boy, we see the world trying to mess that up today. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to see that here in America, we still, have, we still have a sense of moral quality that some countries still don't have. Uh, there are places today, namely countries that are run by Islam, they believe it is okay for grown men to take in marriage a child at the age of seven. And that is something they, they see, hey, this is, this is illegal, this is, this is great. I believe it is one of their prophets that even uh, they hold him up to have done the same thing. So you think it's okay for them. You know, they take even, even down to the very core of our values. The world today has taken murder and has said it's okay. And the reason I call it murder, we, they, they fluff it up by saying it's abortion. But folks, it's murder. If you take a life and you kill it, that is murder. And so now today, we're going to come to one of these things that, oh, I've got my projector here turned off. I'll turn it back on for us. We're going to talk about one of these things that often uh, isn't talked about really much in church, but I believe it's something that should be. We're going to be talking about, I'm sorry, yeah, so, so women in the ministry. And really there was supposed to be another slide there that was going to show us uh, and was going to talk about how we have gender roles in church today. And really this just kind of comes to our first slide. The whole point of this is, is gender roles in church. Folks, let me ask you something, and I think you would all agree with me on this. Do you believe that God made men and women to be different? Yeah, that's a pretty simple thing. God has made men and women to be different. We have, we have different abilities. We have different qualities. And, and namely, you'll see it in church tonight. My wife is going to be giving birth here in a few weeks. I cannot do that. God made men different. We are unable to do those things. I mean, you look at the way men and women think. They think different. And, you know, my wife, she is able to be nurturing and caring in a way that I just, I just can't. You know, there's, there's a point, and this isn't, um, I hope this isn't self-incriminating, but it comes to a point when, uh, you, know, you know, when my children, they're, you know, if I see maybe they've got hurt or there's a certain amount of whining or there's a certain amount of maybe something they need, they fall in the snow. You know, William, he did just that. He fell in the snow a couple of days ago. And then he'd done it because he took off running across the yard and I'd already told him to walk, <laughs> but he fell. 
And then so he got up and he had snow all over his hands and stuff. And of course it was cold. I said, William, man, that's why you're supposed to walk, son. And then he kind of, you know, he started getting a little whiny because, because, yeah, it is painful. But I said, son, you're all right. You know, get up, brush it off, keep going, you know. But, but then you, you see, you'll see a, a mother in that same situation. You know, she, she just has that heart that can reach out. We're just different. Folks, God made men and women different. So that, that doesn't mean that, what, that one is, is less of a quality. That doesn't mean one is less of importance. It just means God took two halves, and when those two halves come together, they make a whole, and they complete one another. Right? I mean, you, the, I, I will never have those qualities in my home without my wife. So we're going to see here in just a little bit a few things uh, that it relates to uh, gender roles as it relates to the ministry. So let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. And above all, we're going to try to be biblical tonight. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse number, uh, let's look at verse number 20. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong scripture verse because uh, we've, we've already gone there. Look at the wrong column. Let's go over to verse number 33. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So God, we know that he does things orderly. And we have just learned, if you remember the last couple weeks, we have learned there was a certain time and place to have silence in the church. Remember when, even then, when they were speaking in tongues, he said, if you don't have an interpreter, be quiet. He says, if there's going to be more people than two or three that have a word to say, be quiet. You know, we don't need confusion. We don't need disorder. There are certain times silence was required within the church. So then we get to verse number 34. And boy, this is a verse with so much, so much controversy today. But nonetheless, it's in God's Word. So we're going to talk about it because that's what we do. As a church, we talk about God's Word. Verse number 34 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches. For, if it is not, excuse me, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came ye the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So folks, folks, primarily we're going to be looking at verses number 34 and 35. The first time that I read this, and when you see it at face value, it almost seems like ladies are supposed to walk in the church with duct tape wrapped on their mouth. Okay, that's, that's not true. But believe me, that's, that's not true. It's not, it's, we don't see this word silence as, as absolute quiet, don't even open your mouth, don't say a word. That's, that's not the picture we need to draw. But... Nonetheless, the verse is here, and we need to kind of get some conclusions out of this. So the first thing I do want to do before we actually get into this verse is I want to qualify this. I'm going to try to make this work properly. And we had already talked about that. So here we are, number one. Let's take a look at women in scriptures. What kind of women do we see in scriptures? What are they doing? You know, is there some kind of... Is there some kind of picture as to what these women are supposed to be as it relates to this word silence? Well, folks, I'm going to show you a few things that women did in Scripture, and especially as it relates to their, uh, as how men and women are supposed to be towards one another. The first thing that we're going to see is this. We see that being a lady, being a wife, that is a position of honor. Folks, that is a position of honor. 
that's one of the things that the Bible commands unto men. If we were to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, I'm going to read it to you. 1 Peter 3, 7, the Bible says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. That's something that was a command. Guys are supposed to honor their children. Right now in my household, we have five people. One, I just haven't seen him yet. He'll be here soon. There are five in my house. And of the five of us, I am only commanded to give honor to one of them. That's my wife. See, we, we have these cultures around the world, and there's this thing that has spilled over into our culture today that, uh, that, that they would think things in the Bible and, and that, that ladies have to break free from this oppression that men have on them. Folks, let me tell you, God's Word and Christianity, namely, has always elevated women. They has always lifted them up. It has always given them this title of, hey, you, you are honorable. You are something that is precious. You are something that is valuable. You are something that is meaningful. I read something once, and this... And this, this puts it perfectly. It was, it was on Facebook of all places. This one man said, a man should protect his wife not because she's weak, but because she's special. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I would never look at my wife and call her weak. But I'm going to tell you something. I am going to take her and put her in a place, and I will do everything I possibly can for her because she's mine. She is, she is honorable. I'm going to lift her up. I'm not going to cut her down. I'm going to put her in a place where, where she can be... One man put it this way. He said it's almost like if you have this precious piece of pottery or this precious vase or a painting or something, you're going to display it on a wall. That is going to be the place of honor in your home. Folks, that is a place that a woman can hold in her house. That is, that is the complete opposite of, of what some people would think, oh, the, the patriarchal society would have us to be oppressed and they wouldn't want us to speak. Folks, that's the opposite. God's word has always lifted up women, especially as it relates to being in a home, in a house. Look at number two. Wives hold a position of value. Man, we've talked about this one. If you remember our marriage conference, this is one of the ones that we talked about. If we were to look at Proverbs chapter number 31, and that's the very last scripture in that book, or the very last chapter in that book, it talks a lot about what women are supposed to be and what an honorable woman is. So Proverbs chapter number 31 in verse number uh, 10, the Bible says this, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. You know, one of the things that a guy usually does when he goes to propose to his wife, he goes to the store and he tries to find her a diamond, doesn't he? I remember the first time I did that. I was getting ready to, to propose to Tori. I was leaving my home and, and I was, uh, was going to be planning a wedding. I just knew she was the one. And it wasn't too much longer that I actually had my eye on a place that I was going to rent so I'd have a house for us to live in. And I remember I was looking at the cost of everything. And boy, it costs money. <laughs> you, know, you, you go into the jewelry store and they start showing you all these things and all these price tags. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I tried to get together all this extra stuff I had that I didn't need. And I started selling things just so I could, I could go to the jewelry store and buy her this ring. And then I could get this house and we could put, put things in the house. We have a place to live. Because well, why would I do that? Because she's valuable to me. She is more valuable to me than all the things that I have. If I had some kind of precious ruby, she would be more valuable to me than a rock that everyone wants. Tori, as a woman, is more valuable to me than the rock that's on her finger. That's just a token of me showing her that I love her. Folks, the Bible says a virtuous woman, she is valuable. 
And folks, well, this is one that we don't have to go very far to know. Wives are obviously to be loved. Ephesians 5.25 tells us that they are the ones that men are supposed to show their love to. Look, he says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. That's a command. He doesn't say put your woman in a corner where no one will see her. He doesn't say you're supposed to gag her so she'll never speak. Okay? He says love her. Show her that you love her. Give her that position of love as best as you can. Now I'm going to show you this. Women have been used of God in the Scriptures. You know, when we look at this verse, we see this here in Corinthians that we're supposed to be a uh, note there. There we go. Women have been used as an instrument of God in the Scriptures. If we were to go in our very same book, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to go back just a couple chapters to verse number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 4. First Corinthians 11.4 says, Every man praying or prophesying have as his head covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Notice, it talks about how women should prophesy. It doesn't say they shouldn't. It says how are they going to do this. They, they need to have their head covered. And then it goes on to talk about how the hair is a covering and it's a, it's a glory for a woman to have it and it's a shame for a uh, Glory for, uh, I've got it backwards. It's a glory for a woman to have her hair. And folks, this is one of the things that we see. The Bible lets us see in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 that there would be women that would proclaim the word of God. That God would show them things that they would need to know. And so there again, if a woman has some kind of word from the Lord and she's able to speak that, then that was a wonderful thing. All right, so does that contradict what we're seeing over here in this verse? Well, we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep talking about some things that women have done in the Bible. Folks, if we go back, well, 1 Corinthians 11.4, that was that one. We see that there were also females that were political leaders. If you were to go to the Old Testament, there was a lady, they often call her a prophetess, female. There was this girl named Deborah. And Deborah was there with a guy named Barak. And these were, uh, and this, this gal, she was a judge for the nation of Israel. She was able to oversee a victory for the nation of Israel. Now, folks, we see her here. Now, yes, she had a word from the Lord, and she gave that and was known as a prophetess. But we also see that being a judge, she was a political leader over the nation of Israel. And God was able to use her in a mighty way. And by the way, if memory serves, at the end of that battle, there was a lady that drove a tent, tent stake through the enemy king's head. And that was, yeah, she said, hey... There's going to be a lady that's going to give you guys a victory. And it wasn't her, it was someone else. Man, God used those gals. God is able to use women as instruments of the Lord. There's going to be another girl, Queen Esther. Man, you go read Esther's story. Esther was a girl that was an Israelite, and she became the queen of a man that was a king. She really wasn't anyone, but she married and became the queen. And as the queen... She was able to save the entire nation of Israel because there was a guy in the king's court that had a sneaky plan to have them all killed. And she, being the queen, said, Oh, husband, you don't really want to do that, do you? And there's a lot more to it than that. But she was able to save all of Israel. Folks, God used Queen Esther. We're going to see in the New Testament 
there were some ladies that were, and I suppose this is the right word, they were householders of church. There were a number of churches in the New Testament. They did not have the facilities like we would have today. They were meeting in a house. So when they would go and when they would meet in that house, there were a number of ladies that had the room to hold that house. So the church would come and they would meet in that house. Folks, there's no doubt that all throughout Scripture, God has used women. Now, what does that mean about 1 Corinthians 14, 36, and 37 here? I mean, how do, we, how, do we handle, how do we handle these verses? Because the Bible just said in verse number 35, or excuse me, verse number 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. So how are we supposed to handle this? Well, we know, number one, this is the first thing we've seen. This is how we're going to put it all together. First, we know, yes, God does use women. He has used women, and He is using women. All right? So let's take a look at another verse of Scripture that gives us an idea. See, here's something that we we can do, and this is the beautiful thing about the Bible. When we have one Scripture here and one Scripture here, and the two doesn't seem to make sense, usually we can find a third Scripture that ties them all together. Let's take a look at the third Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go over to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. This is sort of the scripture that's going to tie these together and give us the answer. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 11 is where we're going to start our reading. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in, the, I'm in the wrong book myself. Let's start in verse number 9. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 9. Or uh, I guess we'll go, let's go up one more. Let's go to verse number 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness in good works. By the way, folks, we see this. The Bible is telling us that a lady ought to be known for who she is, not for what she wears. A lady ought to be known for how good she is on the inside and the qualities that she possesses, not for how much jewelry she's able to put on. And then it continues to say this in verse number 11. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Hey, here's that same key. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, charity, and holiness with sobriety. So folks, did you catch it? See, here it is. And this is, this is why this is so tough today. Because there are so many people that basically just take this verse and they black it out with a, with a, with a sharpie. They just want to take this and, and they want to do away with it or they want to explain it away. But the key is when you put these three verses here together. Verse number 11 and 12. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So there's the word silence again. Folks, we had just seen a little bit ago, that, and we all agree that there is absolute gender roles that God has set up from the very beginning. It has always been that way. So what we're going to see is this. 
We're not going to talk about women being used by God because we've already seen they can be. We're going to talk about ladies in a church service or in a church meeting. What does this mean? Well, folks, what we're looking at right here is God's word. This, this is the black and white of God's word. We want to take all the evidences that we can and we want to put them together. And we're going to see what's happening here at women in a church meeting. If we go back to 1 Corinthians, which has been our text. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and again in verse number 34. This was our, our main scripture for tonight. The Bible says this about it and it kind of gives us a little bit of, a little bit of heads up. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. Now, what did we just learn about before this verse? In, 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 verses, uh, in chapters number 13 and 14, what's going on? What is the big picture? You have people coming together. They are in a church setting. They are prophesying and they are speaking, speaking in tongues, which they did in that day. And they are in that church service setting. He's saying here, as it relates to the prophesying in church, as it relates to the speaking in tongues in church, let's let the ladies be silent. Let's let the ladies keep in silence in this scenario. Why? For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. So we see this right here. Yes, in a church service, in a church meeting, as it relates to what the Bible said in Timothy, having authority. As it relates to having authority, they are to keep their silence. From what? From prophesying. Anything else? Yeah. From speaking in tongues. Now, is the Bible being bigoted? No. Is the Bible being discriminatory? No. Is the Bible saying that, that women aren't good enough? No. The Bible is just saying from the very beginning, God has set it up that men are to be the leaders in their homes. That men are supposed to care for their wives, protect their wives, love their wives, provide for their wives, and provide for their families. And in doing so, they bear the burden of being the leader. And God says that's just the way it is. God has raised up men to be leaders. So how come in the church we would flip-flop that? Well, we wouldn't. God is sticking with the gender roles that he has already set up for men to be the leaders in the church. That's why when they come together in this church setting, there were men, they were standing up, they were in a pulpit, they were preaching. By the way, yes, there are pulpits in the Bible. They were preaching and they were prophesying the word of God and sometimes God would give a man a word in an unknown tongue and someone would interpret it and everyone would be edified. In that scenario, the men are the ones leading that. The ladies are learning in silence according to, Second Tim or according to 1 Timothy. So yes, we see that they keep their silence. And watch this, we learn that they be under obedience. Because, again, this is the black and white of the Scripture. I am putting up here what the Bible says. Verse number 34. Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Folks, you've heard me say this before. I don't preach my opinions. I preach what's in the book. So what are, we, what are we supposed to take from this? Okay, yes, they're keeping their silence from the prophesying. They're keeping their silence from the tongues. Now they're to be obedient. 
Folks, when we study husbands and wives, and we've done this, we, we, went, through a whole, we went through a whole focus on, on the family type, type sermon series. And we learned that God has set up men to be their leaders. And when the Bible says that women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands, basically that's just saying, as a wife, as a lady, you're going to recognize that God has set up the husband, has set up the man to be the leader of that home. And, you know, I'll tell you a perfect scenario. I've got a friend of mine. I'll not say his name. Some of you might know him. I've got a friend of mine, and he lives out in the middle of nowhere. And right when he was, they were, they were getting ready to go to bed. He said his wife was already asleep, his kids were asleep, and he was almost asleep. It was pitch black outside. He doesn't live near a town. And he just heard this loud bang at his door. Now, what did he do? He jumped up out of bed, he armed himself, and he opened the door to see who's trying to you know, break down his door. And come to find out it was a man that needed help. But the point being this, what kind of a man in that scenario would wake up his wife and say, hey, you go check the door? No one would do that. I mean, what, what in the world kind of, kind of a man are you sending your wife to do your job? Because if that's someone that's coming to harm my family, I'm not going to put my wife in harm's way. Why? God appointed me to be the leader of my family. God appointed me to protect my family. God appointed me to teach my family. And let me tell you, that's not always a privilege. In fact, that's a position of servanthood. It's my job to serve my family and to do what's best for them. It's not that I'm going to lead with an iron fist. It's that I am watching carefully and I'm going to do everything I can to provide for them. So God has set it up that way from the beginning. He says, at verse, there's Adam and Eve. When we go back and we'll not turn there, when you go back and look at the book of Genesis, Adam was in the garden all alone. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give him someone that's a helper. The, the two words that's used, I will give him a help meet unto him, a help that is beneficial unto him. And so he made Adam to go to sleep, and he took the rib out of Adam. Eve wasn't made from dust like Adam was. He took a rib out of Adam's body and then formed Eve. And they were one flesh, literally. And that's where we have the picture of marriage. You have two coming together to one flesh. So, folks, this is, this is that beautiful picture that, that men, God has just set them up in that, in that position to care and then for, for the wife to be that help that is meat unto him and, and to see that God has called him to do something that no one else can do. Folks, let me tell you, I have, I have had to deal with, with situations and with people and with things that that I felt like, in a way, I have had to protect my family from because I don't want them to have to go through it. There have been things I've had to deal with that, that I wouldn't want to bring into my home that I'm going to keep over here and I'm going to take the blunt end of it because I honor my wife. I love my wife. I am protecting my wife. I'm not saying she's weak. I'm just saying she's too special to me to let her have to go through that stuff. And, folks, that's the way it, is, it has always been. And when it relates to the church, it's no different. God's not trying to gag women. It's just simply that he has set up this divine gender role. And I know that is not a popular word today because a lot of people say, oh, well, we're exactly the same. No, we're not. I, I can't have a baby, okay? Well, we have different, we have different things that we, we can do. God has made us differently. So we know that there's this thing of obedience, this submission, and this comes in a couple different ways. Basically, it's just going to be the leader of her house, which would mean if it is a young girl, that is going to be her father. If it is a married girl, that is going to be her husband, who his God has set up. And if she is not married, and this is one that's... The, you actually find the first two in the book of Numbers. 
But, but culturally today, this isn't something I don't think they had very much back then. Today, we have grown ladies that are just by themselves. You know? So what do we do with that? You know, maybe she doesn't have a father or a husband. She's going to submit herself to God. She's just going to submit herself to God. Now watch this. And these are kind of bullet points. This is really supposed to be number three. Women were commanded to, within the church, within the church service, within the church service, to be without authority over men. And we saw that. If you want to turn back to it, I will. Uh, but if you want to turn with me, that's going to be back in 1 Timothy. That word, authority, is the key. Authority is the key. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 11. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man. So folks, we see that women in church, the whole point of silence is this, just to not get the divine roles that God has set up to be flip-flopped. God never intended wives to pastor their husbands. God never intended daughters to pastor their fathers. That's, that's getting it flip-flopped. That's the opposite of what God's normal and very beginning intent was. So the question is, is whatever this lady is about to do, is it going to be a position or something that is going to have authority? And in doing so, will she have authority over the elders, over the men in her church? That is the question. And that is the key. So we see that they are to be without authority over the men. So what do we look at this? Yes, no position over men. And this is not a position of biblical authority. And for, you know, for, I guess really if there's any question about it, there's really no other way we can see this verse. When we look at Corinthians and Timothy both, they were written in the church age. It had nothing to do with the law of the day, although he said the law confirmed it. He was writing to churches. He was writing to pastors that would apply in today's time. And he would say, as it comes to authority in the church, let the ladies be submissive so that the men are able to lead as God has asked them to do. Now watch this. Women in a church meeting are also to serve where they can. They are also to serve where they can. See, when we look at this, the first thought is, oh, God just, you know, he thinks we're of a lesser quality. No, you're not. Because ladies are still able to do things even within a church that men are unable to do. And we're going to talk about some of these. Because when we look all throughout the Bible, there are women even in the New Testament that are doing things. Uh, you know, we, we talk about some of these ladies. You've got Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, you know, you've got one girl, I think her name was Junus? Junian? Oh, I, I can't remember how it's pronounced. It's an, it's an odd, odd name. Reminded me of Julia, but it's, anyhow. Uh, it's June something. So then and she, she was there in the Bible, and she was, she was noted. The Bible says that even the apostles, they took note of this girl. And then we see these, these girls like Phoebe that are mentioned in the Bible, and we go back, we see Deborah that was able to be this great leader. So what are these gals able to do? Well, they're able to do anything so long as they do not usurp authority over the men. So what would that be? And here's what some of the things would look like. There are some times that ladies are able to speak to other ladies in a way that I cannot. Why? Because I'm a man. You know, sometimes gals go through some stuff that I will never understand. You know, I, there are some things that I just, just in my mind, I, I, I don't get. 
I'll tell you a funny one. And, and this, isn't, um, this isn't a bad one. This is a funny one because we still talk about this today. With, with, was it William or Henry? I think it was Henry. Uh, there, there was this thing when my wife was pregnant with Henry. There was this one commercial that, that came. No, it wasn't even a commercial. It was just this little video on the Internet. And it was this little girl. She was maybe uh, four years old or so. And she was this little girl that had these big old Coke bottle glasses on because she needed them to be able to see. And they kind of wrapped around her ears and stuff. And this little girl starts singing the song, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Of course, you know, as a little girl would. And so Tori was watching this video, and I want to tell you, wait, I was just sitting there on the couch, and she was watching on her phone or something. Next thing I knew, Tori started breaking out into tears. I'm like, what's wrong? You know, what, what, what is going on? Why are you crying? How can, how can I help you, you know? And it was because this video, it just, it just, I don't know, just touched her in such a way that she, she started crying. And I honestly, in my mind, as best as I tried, I did not understand. And sometimes, even within a church, there are things that ladies will go through in their lives that I will not get. You know, the, the, kind of, the kind of hurt that a lady can feel from her husband, I will never feel because I'm not a lady. You know, the, the kind of care and concern that a mother feels for her son, maybe that's going wayward or something, I, I can sympathize as a parent, but not as a mother. I'm not a mother. And I want to say that, that, that even, even my wife or any other lady that has understanding of Scripture, they can reach out in that way that I will never be able to be because I'm a guy. I'll never see it in the same way. There will be times that we see ladies, they are able to work in children's ministries, again, in a way that some men never will. Just that simple, man, that simple heart of a mother, that, that nurturing nature. Some of the things... <laughs> and she was here not too long ago. Some of the things and the stories that my Sunday school teachers have to tell about me almost make me turn red. Because, man, they just, boy, they just had to have patience with me. You know, if, if I was a Sunday school teacher, I would not have had the patience with me that, that my teachers had. And, folks, that's something, again, that ladies are able to do probably in a way that men never will be able to. Hey, what about music? Man, there are some ladies that are able to sing and sing beautifully. You know, I wish God gifted me with, with the ability to, to, to sing well. It's like that old joke, I can't carry a tune even if it was in a bucket, you know. But boy, there's some girls, they're able to sing, and it's just wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it glorifies God. And you know, that is a wonderful, it's a beautiful thing. Because none of these three things here, and while, yes, there are probably some others, these three things here are simple examples of God using women in a way that is not usurping authority over the church, over the men. That's how they are able to keep their silence. When it comes to the church service, when it comes to the authority in the church, that's how they are holding their silence. Hey, what about personal evangelism? What about ladies that have been able to reach out and say, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me share with you my testimony. Hey, this is how God changed me. This is how God made me a new person. He can do the same thing for you. Folks, that, that is something that is, that is huge. That is something that is needed. Most of the time when, uh, when, when people, when they're able to be reached with the gospel, there's a good percentage of the time where a friend is there telling them, explaining to them how good God is and, and what God has done for them. And they can look and say, boy, I need that too. You know, a personal evangelism is a huge tool, something that God can use. Now, I want to bring this all kind of I'll kind of to a conclusion. I'm going to wrap it all up together here. Folks, the weight of spiritual authority 
the weight of leadership, and notice I say the weight, because at times it is something that is a burden. That is something that God has always placed on men. From history and time past, from the beginning of the world, God has always placed that on men. And I'll give you a few examples. And that's kind of what I'm giving you here in this conclusion. It's always set that precedent of male leadership. God in heaven himself, while we know he does not have a body, he has always been a he. He has always been a he. There is no place in scripture where he is found as a female. Even Jesus, when he came here to earth as a, with a body, he became as a, as a man. Adam himself, okay, Adam, he was created in the image of God as a man. God said, you are to be the leader. This is your help, Eve. She's your helper. She will be a meat to you. God told him to take and subdue the earth. When Moses and Aaron came along and God decided to set up the tabernacle and later the temple, Aaron was the very first high priest. You will not find a female priest in the Bible. You'll find Melchizedek. You'll find Eli. You'll find the sons of Eli. You will find male priests. You will not find female priests. Again, it's a precedent. And what about the prophets? Now, yes, there were ladies that prophesied, that gave the word of God. I'm talking about the position of prophets. That was their lifelong story. That was their purpose. What about Samuel? What about Nathan? What about Elijah? Elisha? Micaiah? These were men that God said, you will be my prophet. That is your job. Here is the mantle. Go and do the job of a prophet. Folks, those were always men. While, and again, yes, while there were men, women that had the opportunity to get to do a prof, to make a prophecy, so to speak, it was always men that held the position. What about the 12 disciples? We know they were men. Folks, you have your 12 disciples. We have Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Matthew, Luke. When God went and called the twelve, he went and called twelve men. Furthermore, the Bible says they were unlearned and ignorant men, but he called them. Because God was, again, following that same precedent. What about these same twelve men after Jesus Christ died on the cross that became the apostles? Now we know Judas died. There was another guy they called. I think it was Matthias was his name. And then you had the apostle Paul, again, another man. Now I'm not saying that men are more special in the eyes of God, but I am saying all throughout history, from the beginning of time, there has been a precedent. Spiritual leadership, home leadership, marriage leadership, that burden has been placed on the shoulders of the men. Because God, I believe, He gives us a divine order. I believe there is an order of things. Now, what does that mean for us today? Very same thing. I believe that pastors and church leaders, church elders today are to be men. I don't see any other way around this scripture. That, you know, this idea that, uh, that ladies are able to hold this position of authority over the men within their church, I believe it goes against scripture because of what we just saw. The black and white here in Corinthians, the black and white over in Timothy, the Bible says plain, plainly and clearly that they should not usurp authority over the men. And by the way, I don't think we have to think too very hard to realize this is not a popular opinion today. There are a lot of people that take Scripture and they take some kind of Scripture because it doesn't fit with the way that they feel. They have to kind of reason around it. Oh, well, God used women. Look at Deborah. Yeah, fine. There was Deborah, but she wasn't a pastor. Well, what about Phoebe? Yeah, she was able to do some great stuff. She wasn't a pastor. You know, what about Aquila and Priscilla? Yeah, man, used of God. Wasn't a pastor. 
Folks, there have been women all through Scripture to do great things for God. But God has never set up a lady in the position of spiritual authority over other men. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened then, and it's not happening today. Well, pastor, what does that mean for all these ladies that are standing in pulpits today? Bluntly, and based off the Scripture, they're in defiance of God's Word. That's the only way that you can see it. That, that, is, that is the only answer. It's either that or just kind of, like I said, take your Sharpie and just kind of block that one out. Now, it's, it's a popular opinion today that there are no gender roles. Hey, we're, we're women. We have to, we have to throw off the, the leadership. We are just as good as everyone else is. Did you, you know how ridiculous this has gotten today? When I was a kid, I was, I was, I was taught. I mean, I remember from a little boy. I was taught that you were supposed to take care of ladies. In the sense, I was taught you're supposed to hold the door for a lady. I suppose I was told that when you can, you open the car door for a lady. Now, most of the time now, I'm dragging kids across the parking lot, you know. But I, I was told when you can, you open the door for a lady. You know, and we talked about one the other day. If you're walking down the sidewalk and, and you guys, they're, they're going to walk on the muddy side of the street so the girls can be on the other side. Hey, you know, if, if there's something that, that a lady needs, you do what you can to take care of her. If she's, she's struggling with something, you carry it for her. Hey, if a girl's cold, you give her your coat. You know, I, I remember in high school, some of the guys, we used to fight over giving our coat to the girls, maybe because we had a crush on the girls or something. But, you know, we, we wanted to see which, one, which coat she was going to wear, you know. Now, that's the way we were taught. But you, you know how ridiculous this whole idea of this, what they're calling the fourth wave of feminism now? They are saying that if a guy does something like give his coat to a girl, that is saying she is too weak and she's, you know, that he's, he is oppressing her. If a guy says that he's, that he's going to honor some kind of lady, he's going to honor his wife, well, that's really what they're calling benevolent sexism. You know, you're just saying, oh, you know, you, you need to be lifted up. And they're saying they don't even want that anymore. I'm thinking, well, good night, man. How, how is a guy supposed to, be, uh, supposed to be a gentleman today? You know, if they're, if they're even going to say that's bad. Our culture and Satan, along with it, has gone so far away from what God has initially intended that for a husband and a wife to come together into unity and for the husband in that unity to simply be the leader in that, not that he will drag her along, but that he will be the leader and that he will serve her. What is it you need today? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. How can I help you today? What is something you and the wife, the, you and the kids need? Okay, you've got it. Lord, how would you have me to lead my family today? Is this the right decision for me and my family? Lord, what would you have us to do in the church? Lord, how would you have me to lead them? Folks, that's how God set it up. It's not that women are incapable. It's not that God doesn't care about women. There are probably a lot of women, quote-unquote preachers, that do a better job than I do. But the fact is, the black and white is in the Bible that God has set up men to be the leaders. And, yeah, that's a, that's a weighty burden in some, in some places. And while that's not a popular opinion today, I will say this, and I think I can stand by it. If there will be a lady that would stand in a pulpit and be the pastor of a church, that tells me that she is willing, either just ignorant or unwilling, to take a look at the simple black and white of Scripture, and she either ignores it or throws it out. And in my opinion, thus even making her unqualified to stand there. And I know that's probably a bold statement, but I believe I stand by it. Because we've always said from the very beginning, and I know I'm probably just rambling now,
But I've always said from the very beginning, this book tells us how we're going to be in this church. It's not my opinions. It's not my feelings. Boy, feelings is a big thing today. Oh, I feel this. I feel this. Well, what's the Bible say? That's part of the reason why we have the name that we do at this church, Bible Baptist Church, because we're going to do things according to what's in the Bible. I'm going to stand by it. I believe God is powerful enough to make sure his book says exactly what he wants it to say. And if it's in the book, that's what we're going to do. If it's in the book, that's how we're going to follow it. And we're going to take our opinions and we're just going to kind of set them aside. And we're going to say, yes, Lord, whatever you would have for us, yes, Lord, we'll do it your way. Not my way, your way. Just like that old song says, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. So, folks, here's what we'll do. I know this is very much a teaching message tonight, and, and you know, with, with this, you know, if anyone even be listening to this on, on the podcast later on, I know this is not a popular opinion today, but I believe wholeheartedly it's a biblical opinion. And I say that because it's in the Bible, and there's no way around the simple black and white of Scripture. So if we could, let's have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed just for a minute or two. We'll have a brief a brief hymn of invitation where we can have some time to pray together. Our Lord, when we take such a scripture as this, as we've been going through the book of Corinthians, we can see no doubt that you have had a divine order all throughout scripture. Lord, I believe that you have a perfect will and you have a perfect way. And now that we've come so many thousands of years from the very beginning, there can be no doubt that your original intent has been twisted been changed. Lord, the world's trying to change it. And I believe that we see the masses are falling. It seems like today even the churches are following the way of the world. Lord, even those that were proclaimed to be your servants are following the way of the world. And Lord, no matter what happens to us here over these few years that we have while we're here, I pray that you would help us to be bold in our stance. Lord, help us to stand by the book. Help us to stand on the Bible and to always take it at its word. And Lord, may we follow you in that way. Now, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, just for a minute, this will be just simply your time to be able to to spend some time with the Lord if perhaps he was able to speak with you about something tonight. there's anything that we can take away from this I believe we can learn that that there are many out there that have a Bible in their hand but quite possibly haven't even read it or maybe they have read it though we find that they just kind of ignore the things that it says Why don't we as God's people commit in our heart tonight to always go by the word of God and let it be a lamp into our feet.
Lord, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Lord, as we've looked at this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would just help us to take it at its word. Lord, it doesn't seem like there's any other way around this simple, plain message that was given here within these Scriptures. And I pray that you would just help us to hold the Bible at its rightful position as the authority in our lives. As we get ready to leave here in just a little bit, I pray that you, I pray that you would just guide us, protect us, keep us from sin, and Lord, help us to be a light to those around us. We love you and we thank you for all it is that you do. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.